Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the John Papaloni Show. Today we have Anish Lal. Anish, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, man. Really pumped to be here. Absolutely, man. Why don't we start off the podcast? Give us a description of who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Yeah, so I've been in the sales game for 17 plus years. Uh, most recently was working at Pinterest. Just left Pinterest last June. Started my own sales and marketing consulting company called The Wishly Group. And that's where I'm at now, man. I've just been helping small, medium-sized companies get better with either their sales game, their marketing game, or their community game. So that's what I'm about. Absolutely phenomenal. Now, it is interesting because you started off, you were at Pinterest. And how long were you there for? Pinterest, just over a year. Just just, just over, over a year. year. So what did you do before that? So before Pinterest, I was at the Weather Network. Oh, wow. Media sales. So I was, uh, I've always been in the media sales game myself. So uh, before, before Pinterest was at the Weather Network, was there for about a year and a half. And then after, uh, before the Weather Network, I was at a company called Flip. Got uh, it. On the digital media side. Got it. All right. So, yeah, that's interesting. Now, what made you choose sales? Like, I mean, like, let's be honest. We don't grow up and say, hey, I want to be a salesman when I grow up. No, you're right. You're right. I think I wanted to be a chef or something like that. Who knows? But uh, when I was, when I was uh, at, at my undergraduate at Laurier, I had to sit down with my dean. And as my fourth year, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I was like, Jenny, what do I, what should I do? She goes, within a like heartbeat second, she was like, you are made for sales. I didn't know what that meant then. I didn't know what that was, but I, I sort of like took her at her word. I respected the hell out of her. So when she, when Jenny Domenko says, you should get into something, you probably do it. And I started applying to all sales jobs after that. That's awesome. And then now you, now Pinterest ended for whatever reason, and you decided to go on your own. Yeah. So what was the motivation behind that? Yeah. So I was actually like a top rep at Pinterest. Like I, I left on, on my, my own terms and all that. Um, I always had this entrepreneurial itch. Like my parents are entrepreneurs. They came to Canada with nothing and built out, you know, a really successful business. So I've already, I've, I've always had that in me to like try something on my own. And I've always had side hustle clients I was working with at the time. So my side hustle clients were always asking me, Anish, can we get more of your time? Your campaigns you told us about really worked well. The sales stuff's going really well. So one thing led to another, and I just started taking on more of those side hustle clients. And I had this whole Rolodex ready to go. I was like, you know what? It, it's never a good time to leave. Like, it's never the right time to leave your yeah. cushy six-figure job. Um, but for me, I was like, you know, I don't have any kids. Nothing tying me down responsibility-wise. Now's the time to do it. So here we are. Absolutely. And then you came up with the name Wishly. Yeah. Yeah. What's the story behind that? <laughs> it's so cheesy, man. Okay. So all my side hustle clients, like anyone that ever comes to me for advice, they're like, Anish, I wish I could do this. Anish, I wish I could get this sale. Anish, I wish I could get this many clients. I wish I could do X, Y, Z. I'm like, the word wish came up in every single one of my client debriefs all the time. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. So I, was, I had a few glasses of wine that night and I was like, you know what? Wish Lee, it rolled off your tongue. I, I told some of my friends about it. They're like, yeah, you know, it has a nice ring to it. And yeah, that's absolutely. what happened, man. That's all it was. Yeah, it's pretty cheesy. Yeah, though. yeah. But, but the truth is it, it does roll off your tongue, right? And that, that's how most people come up with their things. It's like random things, random places. Like one of my company names that I came up with literally ended up being uh while i was in the bathroom showering <laughs> exactly like it just hits you right it just yeah. hits you so uh, yeah, i'm, exactly. with, you. I'm so, with you it's it's fascinating i always find that stuff fascinating especially yours is so simple yeah right like it's just wish lee like you know it's one word one word rolls off all the marketing you know folks with the psychology like it's perfect it's short people remember it it's also kind of unique because you don't hear the word wish lee every day but people talk about wishes all the time so it does tie into that schema a bit 
So I love to love to tell you it was that intelligent of a thing, but it's sort of after after the fact justification. But yeah, it just it just rolled off the tongue. Yeah. So how long have you been on your own so far? Yeah. So technically, I've been around since like August 2018. That's when I started my side hustle clients and all that. Got it. But my full time thing has only been last since last June. So we just we just crossed over the year mark this this June, which is phenomenal, yeah, right? Loving I mean, it. That's amazing. Now, what is it, what exactly does Wishlead do? Like, break it down, like all the services in detail. Yeah, yeah. So there's three areas. So if you were looking at like one umbrella, we help you essentially win more business. So we help small, medium-sized companies develop their let's just call it modern-day revenue engine. If you look at like traditionally, you've got sales in one silo, marketing in another. They never talk to each other, and now there's this new thing, community. Everybody wants to jump on. Let's call this the trifecta of a modern day revenue engine. We bring it all together in one house. Now, different companies have different needs at different times. So out of the three pillars I just told you about, the sales coaching business has been taking off the most. I actually thought it'd be community or social media that would have done it, given my Pinterest background and things like that. It's the sales coaching. People really want real results, metrics they can measure, all that fun stuff. So the sales coaching piece has been taken off the most. But in a nutshell, Wishly helps companies with sales, social media marketing, community development. Those those three areas. Right, right. right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to touch upon the uh, sales portion here. And I think the sales portion took off because a lot of times what ends up happening is people struggle with that area. And they, a lot of times they struggle because they don't want to do the work. Right. So sometimes they just need someone <laughs> to uh, go through scripts with them, go yeah. through process with them, and in a way just make, make them accountable so they actually do the work they're supposed to do. And it's almost like they, they look for people to, uh, you know, almost to give them validity to what they're doing. And then they realize they're not getting the validity and I think that at that point in time, they decide whether they're open to learn or not. Huge call out. Like there's so many, um, there's so many sales leaders who they're, I don't know what it is about the culture they might be working in where they're like, well, this is my job. I shouldn't be bringing in a third party person to coach and lead up my team. But sometimes you kind of need that third party perspective. Like the best sales leaders I know still coach. If you, if you look at like the top athletes in the world, they like the best quarterback, like Patrick Mahomes in the NFL. He has a quarterback coach. Tom Brady had a quarterback coach. Like they keep refining their skills. You don't, just because you have this label as SVP of sales or whatever, doesn't mean that you need to stop learning and growing. It's learning's an, a constant of, of evolving thing, right? So those leaders who accept that vulnerability are the ones who bring in that knowledge right away and they don't waste any time when it comes to like speed to market and getting the results they need for their team. Those are the ones who really crush it. Absolutely. And you said the key word there, speed to market. Huge. There's too many people that uh, go with, with what I call the analysis paralysis. Yes. And, right, like, <laughs> and, and, you know, I listen to podcasts so I can learn. I go to conferences so I can learn. Exactly. And all they're doing is learning and never putting anything into action. Oh, my goodness. And um, it, it's amazing, right? Like now, again, sales is a key component. What I found odd about your story is, I mean, and part of my language here, right, with um is that most people get into the sales training aspect that I've seen so far yeah. has come from the automotive industry, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, like the top two names I can think of, uh, Grant Cardone, automotive, he started in automotive, yeah. and Brad Lee. Yeah. Both sales training, both automotive. Automotive. Right? And I mean, there's other people too, don't misunderstand me, but, you know, I can be out here and listing names all day, right? But those are the two that come to mind. But the point is that the common sales training 
ends up being from the automotive industry. So it's kind of unique. And, you, you know, you're coming from Pinterest and uh, you're, you're training this, you know, so it's, it's a new fascinating story. It's not a bad thing. It's a good oh, thing. I, I love it. I love it. I think that when, it, when you start mentioning other names like Coca-Cola, Weather Network, Pinterest, like the, the companies I've worked at, you're right. They're not like the standard automotive or, you know, the even like Andy Elliott, Grant Cardone, Bradley. I, I've followed all these guys before. Their approach is a little bit different than mine. Like they're very like, yeah, yeah. I've, I've talked to some of Cardone's guys before. Like they're very like intense and they're like, you can tell that they're following a script. And I'm like, oh my good. Like my approach is a lot more in the, uh, in the research phase, the preparation phase. Most of the folks I coach are like introverts. Everyone thinks you have to be like the sales gregarious outgoing, like Grant Cardone, you know, you want to buy something today. It's very, very different when you want to sell in 2023. You don't need to be that gregarious outgoing person. Yes, it works in like a, maybe a networking session and you, you know, you can own the room and all that. But the best salespeople I know actually, like right now, they're like, they're, they're not those big extrovert guys. They're, they're quiet folks. They research, they're organized, they follow through with what they say. Those are the ones who really crush it right now. I don't think the Grand Cardone aggressive style works in all the scenarios that you might want to win in. Well, I, I believe there's different audiences out there, right? And it's exactly. a matter of who are you speaking to? And, that, and that's what it really comes down to. And, and, and that's why I think it's different approaches for different people. And, you know, and that's why not every program is for everybody, but there's certain things that people can resonate with. Yeah. Now, like you said, most of the people you train are introverts. Yeah. Really, that's who you're catering to. Well, I, I, I cater to, to, to most folks, but I'm seeing come out the, the people who resonate the most with the training is like is, are the introverts because... They always thought you had to be this like polished in a suit tie type thing. And that those days are long gone, right? The Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, coffees for closers, really entertaining movie scene, not the way people sell. But there's still that paradigm in people's minds that that's what sales is. But that's why I'm, I'm beginning to see those that resonate with the training the most are actually the ones who, oh, actually, I could do this. I could do this because the things that Anish is telling me to work on it's not about how you always sound or how loud you are per se, but there are things that, that come to mind where when you are, uh, when you're coming in with like the research, the prep, problem-based type of language, those types of things, tonality to some degree, all those things combined, that's where we see folks really moving the needle in their business. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. Again, different strokes for different folks, different niches. It's, um, and you're right, today we're a little bit different. I mean. Hey, I mean, I'm in a t-shirt. Right. Uh, I don't remember the time I was in anything but a t-shirt. Uh, things are different. I used to be in suits every single day. Same thing. I used to do the whole scenario and then, you know, the old school door knock, cold call. <laughs> and and it's like, it's maybe that's why people dread it. Yeah. Because right? nobody wants to do that. But there is an art to it. I really believe there's an art to sales. Now, you were talking about, uh, you know, always constantly learning and development and stuff. So I'm going to assume by the fact that you're promoting that, that you're consistently uh, taking part in some form of personal development for yourself. Yeah, I've got my own sales coaches, sales mentors, professional mentors, leadership mentors. A big person in my life is Kevin Dorsey, aka KD. Is yeah. that not only is he a client uh, of mine now, but he's also someone that I look up to. We speak like almost daily. So he's one of the most influential folks in my life, the way I think about things now. KD, Morgan J. Ingram, Scott Lease, all these folks from the LinkedIn sales community have really helped me head in the direction that I want to head into. Makes total sense. Now, when someone's uh, looking for help and they're reaching out to you, 
what um, what uh, would be the process like 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 let's start off with you know the contact they reach out to you they get they get a hold of you what's the process like break it down uh, getting help like advice wise or getting like signing well, up as a client instead of setting up as a client as a client yeah I mean for me like the the first thing I always want I've actually shut down more business than I have brought in because of like what if I can't if I feel like I can't move the needle for you I'm not gonna waste your time um, I've seen enough people take advantage of like entrepreneurs like my father who you know they they came into the mix promised the world didn't deliver drained the money it's it's terrible right so for for me it was more so I I tend to have a qualification call to be like what is it you're actually trying like what's what are the wish you know the wish lead like what are the wishes you're trying to get to what what is the end state you're trying to get to do you have a sales issue a marketing issue a community issue if it's one of those three areas typically we we sign people on but there's also nuances and degrees where if they don't come into it and they they haven't given us enough reason to be like we can actually help you we we tend to tell them like hey like we're we're, we're not going to be the right fit for you probably need a lead gen agency or something like that but there's some people who really really need help with the the fundamentals they understand the mix between sales and marketing especially those are the folks that we like to bring on to help refine their processes a bit absolutely makes total sense yeah yeah so Okay, let's break down that sales process again, though. Like, here's what I mean where I'm going with this, yeah. right? So you figure out if they're a client, yeah. like whether there is, you can help them or not, whether uh, there's any value you can provide. Once you determine that if you can provide value or not, what happens next? Yeah, so the biggest thing for us, especially as a consultant, is identifying the scope, the scope that we're actually working towards. In my space, one of the downfalls is like scope creep tends to jump in real quick. So for us, it's really being firm with the client to understand what is the scope of work that we're working towards. It could be anything from specific training sessions for their teams. It could be looking at their processes, sales strategy, marketing stuff. I mean, the list goes on. So once we've determined the scope of work that we're going with, that's what we clearly outline with the client, list out all the deliverables that we're working towards and make sure that we're all on the same page. Then we roll into what we call like our, our, our timelines and getting everything in everyone's calendars like the logistics of things people tend like people assume that that stuff's going to happen like that but then you got you got vacations and people get sick and all those types of things building all that into your workflow up front is really important then the, the third like the most important thing which a lot of folks don't do is doing like a kickoff call with everybody i can't tell you even when i was at pinterest and coke we would find out about sales trainings through a calendar invite where we just showed up on like a Wednesday saying, okay, hey everyone, here's what we're gonna go through today. And it just it just happens on the day of. What you wanna do is to manage everyone's expectations ahead of times. So like we, I would jump in on a kickoff call with everybody saying, hey, everybody in a week from now, this is what we're doing, here's why. And here's what you need to think about before we start. You don't wanna surprise people with things the day of. You wanna, you wanna help them like actually think about things right. ahead of time. So th that's like the general flow from that discovery qualification meeting all the way to starting up an engagement. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. Now you're right. So the more prepared again, what I heard is preparation. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. So now where's the sales process start? Like, look, a lot of times people want to do sales and the way they look at sales is that uh, once the client signs on, I'm done. I made the sale. I move on. Now let's break that myth. Like, like describe what the proper sales process is like what should a salesman be doing yeah sales pro needs to make sure that what you've promised is getting fulfilled and the reason behind that even if you don't believe in like the ethical reason behind it which should be good enough 
is this is a very small world, small industry. I can't tell you the number of folks I still work with from my first sales job at Coca-Cola. Like I still have relationships from people from back then and my reputation is everything in this market. So if you're the salesperson that's all talk and you're promising, you got the silver tongue and whatever, and you're closing those deals, but if they're not getting the results or you maybe misled something or you didn't check in on something, over-promised, under-delivered, that reputation carries on with you in your next sales job, in the next territory you're working with. So if you're not doing a good enough job of making sure your clients are taken care of after you sold them, that will follow you and haunt you for the rest of your sales career. I've seen it happen to many peers and they've learned that they've learned that lesson the hard way. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you on that. Now, also, the other key component that I found is that um, in the end of the day, there is 7 billion in the world, mm -hmm. but you're not going to sell to all 7 billion. No. Now, you said a key component here. You said relationships. Yeah. I believe that all sales comes from people that you have relationships with. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I, I don't believe there's one of those things that strangers are just going to pop up because you said so. Right. I so, wish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, a lot of times you get referrals. Yep. Referrals are coming from people you built relationships with. And they trust you. Yeah. See, the know, like, and trust. It always comes down to that. Has to be. Right. Now, what are some of the things people have to do to continuously get that referral? Because now the sales process is done. I sell Apple phones. My Apple phone, I sold you my Apple phone. All of a sudden, now you got a phone. Does that mean our relationship ends? No. No, I, I, I think I think it comes down to I think it comes down to checking in on people after the fact when you have nothing to to ask for of them. I see uh, checking in on the experiences that you've promised when you've sold somebody something. Um, getting a referral right now, I mean, it all comes with the ask, but you have to have some sort of track record and credibility to go have the you know the, the guts to even go ask something like that. If I haven't delivered for you. And I'm coming and saying, hey, can you refer me to person X, Y, Z, or can you be my testimonial or, or whatever? That's not going to work. You have to have some track record of like excellence with somebody before you can actually go in and ask. What a lot of sales reps are shying away from right now is thinking about that case study, thinking about that referral, asking for that, hey, do you mind if so-and-so calls you and fact checks everything I'm saying, like I'm a man of my word type of thing? Those conversations aren't happening as much right now. Um, I, I, I blame sales leadership culture on that a little bit because referrals is like the last thing people talk about when they're the training and onboarding. In fact, the last three onboardings I've done, referrals is not even a topic. It's like not talked about. So yeah. I, I don't know why that is. I wish I wish that would be different. Well, here's the other thing, right? Like you think it's a possibility in a way that when you're going for a referral, in a sense, you're getting on your report card and maybe people are afraid. Well, if you have that insecurity, then it's wouldn't it be better to know yeah, if you, if because you, you don't know, then that means people could be going behind your back saying, "Oh, Anisha, don't don't work with that guy." But at least if you go ask for a referral, you know where you stand. You can actually again, it ties back to the first thing we talked about—that vulnerability, that constantly learning, being comfortable, knowing where your gaps are. You just don't want to be exposed. But someone's talking bad things about you behind your back. Like you'd want to know that. I I would. I'd want to know if. Maybe, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was, but because people have given me referrals, I know things are good. But if they're not giving me referrals, that's a bigger red flag. And I think you bring up a really good point there. Like, people should be aware of that. You're right. Absolutely. Now, the same time is that I think there's too much effort being put on gaining new customers. Yeah. 
and uh, neglecting your old customers, which is where we were going with this topic. Yeah. So, and I think people should spend more time. Like, I think it's easier to resell a product or upsell a product to customers that are, you already have that already know, like, and trust you than it is to try to go out there and get a brand new set of clients. I mean, even cost of acquisition, it goes up, right? Let's be honest. You put you put an ad on Facebook, like even, even if you get three people from 100 bucks, you spent $100 to get three people. That's $33 acquisition per person. Per person. Now, I'm willing to bet that it won't cost you more than five or 10 bucks to keep the current client you have. Yeah. So long-term, which one's more profitable? Exactly, right? You bring up a really good point. Um, I read this this quote back in the day that's really stuck with me. A lot of sales reps have transactional mindsets. Like, I just got to get new transaction, new transaction. But the really good ones have a transformative mindset. Transformative mindset is like, I'm thinking three levels deeper. How can I build a real relationship with somebody who I just sold for the first time? Build more of that friendship. The easiest sale for any rep is when person X leaves company Y, goes to another company, and now you have you already have that relationship. And then that's how you get net new banners in the fastest way. So it's it's still a net new deal, but it's from the same person. And that's what people need to remember is you need to be able to build that relationship with the existing folks that you've already worked so hard to, to take on. Yeah. To take it a step really, further. They're they already really there. Trust you. They already trust you. They've seen how you work. They like your communication style. They know you deliver. Why not spend more time on who you know already? Just doesn't happen as much though. Makes sense. Now comes the question, right? How often... Should you be keeping in contact with your past clients? Minimum once per quarter, minimum. Just as a hello, hi, how's it going? Maybe there's something you remember, like maybe their favorite sports team just either got tanked or they crushed it, or uh, maybe there's a concert in town. They, oh, I know uh, you love so-and-so, like, hey, just thought of you. Or maybe there's something like professional, like you just keep sending things that, hey, notice your competitor just did X. Did you know about that? Or notice this big government thing impacted industry-wide. Did you know about that? Just staying on top and being of value to those people when you have nothing nothing to ask for in return, that's where that trust comes from. Everyone, every sophisticated buyer knows when they're being sold to. Even if you're yeah. doing it in a creative, fun, non-salesy way, they know you're there for a transaction. They don't expect that follow-up relationship once the deal is signed. Because 90% of sales reps, once the deal is signed, it moved on to the next target. But if I'm coming to you saying, hey, I got nothing. I got nothing to sell you, but thought this could be of interest. Hope you're doing well. So in a sense, what happens is that to a degree, you build up a friendship with your clients. Yeah, I'd say there's a degree of friendship. Like, I think there's always a good line to not cross between, you know, perfect. But like some of my best clients, like we have gone out for drinks. We have, we've broken bread at, you know, dinner or whatever. We have talked about personal things, but in order for us to get to that, to earn the right to get to that stage, I had to give value up front where I was getting nothing in return. That's what earned them to be like, oh, Anish is different. He actually does care about my business. He does care about me. Sure, we can grab drinks. Sure, we can go do those things. And even in those dinners and drinks, I wasn't asking for business. It was truly just to get to know somebody deeper. Yeah, so you have to give the get. That's the bottom yeah, line. Absolutely, you do. Right, love that. Now, even there, now what do you, what do you, you know, like I said, you you drew a little picture here about uh, not crossing a line. So I'm going to ask the uh, question I'm sure anybody's going to be watching is going to be thinking. So what is your position on doing business with uh, family and friends? Oh, it's a hard no for me. Oh, my goodness. I Okay, sorry. I'll clarify. 
there's some people who, if you've grown up with your high school buddies and you're like, you have this dream to run an empire together and you're like, I trust these guys. I trust these friends. Let's go. Let's do this. That's super rare to have that automatic trust with people who, you know, won't screw you over. But most high school friends and most childhood friends and family members, we've always just done like fun stuff together. Yes, we've overcome difficulties, but when it, when, when money's involved, at least what I've seen across the board, I've seen best of friends just get destroyed. Like the friendships are gone because money got involved, bill payments got involved. And if you don't set those boundaries up front of how far we're willing to go before there's too much strain on our personal relationship, it can get really, really sticky real quick. So as long as, as long as you have that, that boundary set up and everyone's, everyone's cool with that. Great. But I've seen more relationships fall apart that who are friends and family before uh, than than they were super successful together after the fact. So I'm a bit weary on it myself. Right. So see, I'm fascinated by this part. Yeah. Because I've had mixed experiences in this, yeah. and I have mixed ideas and feelings about it. What I notice a lot, and this is where I think my mindset is going to be a little bit different than a yeah. lot of people is that uh, when you have a friend or family that you've grown up with mm-hmm. that finds out about your business, and if it's a product that they need, you have two types of people. You're going to have the, the first type that's going to expect a discount. So rather... <laughs> yeah, you see, you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, my God, man. I'm so happy you said this. I was thinking this as you said it. Okay. <laughs> right. So there you go, right? So you can expect a discount. Yeah. All right? And then if you don't give them a discount, they're pissed off. Yep. Then there's the other side of it that looks at it and turns around and says, I want to support my buddy or yes. my family member. Yes. So why would you want to beat down somebody you want to support? Yeah. Right. So there's two ways of looking at it. Well, then you have the third person that's guy that's uh, pretending to be a friend and going to bash you just because they don't want to see you succeed. But that's not really a friend. I'm yeah, going yeah. by actual ones that are actually friends. Real ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you got the two perspectives mm-hmm. and I find that interesting. Yeah. Now. I tend to believe that if you want to support your friend, you support them. You're buying from them to support them because they're your friend. You don't buy from them because they're going to give you a discount. Yeah. Now, they, if they give you a discount, they offer it, power to you. Yeah. But I won't expect it. I'm there to help the person because I care about them. Yeah. What is your message to those that uh, do expect a discount and then get upset about it? I'm like, you're not a real friend. I'm sorry. Like, that's, you know, if you're going in for someone starting up their business from the ground up, and I, I, I felt this way even before I started Wishly, but I have had folks reach out and say, oh, Anish, can you do my social media for like, you know, on the house? And I'm like, what? Like, what do you think? Like, I've, I've got time for all this type of stuff. Like, the real friends are there to support you, seeing you grow and develop without having anything in return. Like, otherwise that's a transaction. That's not really a friend. That's someone who's like, I want to do something for, you know, in return for something like that. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. So if you are the person that's like, like that loves discounts, probably don't go to your friends. I'm gonna look in the camera for that one. Don't go to your friends for that. Go to Costco, go to Walmart. You get better deals there anyway. So don't, don't, don't go to your friends for discounts. Absolutely agree with you on that. Now, and that's why I have a bit of a, per, a different perspective I said about friends and family. Mm-hmm. And why I've got, I, again, I got that mixed emotion too. 
Yeah, right? like, yeah. But the, the way I look at it is that because you guys are friends or family, they should want to support you. Yeah. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with mixing business and friendship as long as the parameters are set up up front. Yeah, those boundaries that we were talking about before, yeah. like they need to be set up front. Uh, there's partnership friendships and family, and then there's like customers, friendship and family. Partnerships, I, I very wary about customers and helping getting them to help you spread the word and things like that i think it's totally fair game as long as it's you know i'm not asking too much for my friends and my friends aren't asking too much of me i think that's that's where that boundary is yeah and that's where i was going with if you set your boundaries up front yeah and it's clear it needs to be clear yeah so that that's where i believe that it's okay because it's like at the end of the day it goes back to you saying like i a lot of my friends have come from being a customer in the past of some sort right if i didn't do business with friends i wouldn't have any business Right. So it's one of those things that, uh, again, because I make friends with everybody, that's part of the uh, genuine part yeah. of business. So, and that's why I said, so if you don't do business with friends, who do you do business with? And that's my viewpoint. Now, everyone is not the same. And look, our, our, let's be honest. As we grow, our friendships will change. I, I'm willing to bet that you have more people that you went to high school or university with that you don't talk to, oh, but you talk, talk to then. 100%. Yeah. So... And that's just natural evolve. Yeah. Right. But what ends up happening is we all change. We all, some of us grow, some of us die, some of us stay in the same. Right. And what ends up happening is if you're not growing, you're dying. And if you're somewhere in the same, it's because you're struggling, you're going up and down. Now you can't grow and build yourself and still surround yourself with people who are trying to be the same or dropping off the you know map. I agree. So with that being said, things evolve anyways. Um, and it doesn't mean you stop being friends with people. It just means you're in different spots in life and you're doing different things. Right. So it's not like, you know, it's not animosity. It's not uh, a lot of people when if you say that they take that as a negativity as in, you know, like, you're a bad man just throwing somebody <laughs> to try. And it's not that. No. What it is, is that you need to move forward for your family, for yourself, for your own personal development. Right. And you can't afford to keep doing the same old social things that got you nowhere. No, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I think I think a big part that people need to stop and think about, because we, we tend to just run in the motions a lot. Oh, we have our routines. You do your nine to five. If you really want a wake up call, just stop and think. If you're the type that commutes to Toronto and you're that nine to five go train person, just stop and look around and look how miserable everyone looks. If you want to escape that, if you want to escape that for yourself and, and get more time freedom, financial freedom, whatever it is autonomy things like that you need to start leveling up yourself and your and your the environment around you now if you're the type to be like i'm gonna go do this on my own different issue but if you're con if you're continuously complaining or upset about things but you're not doing anything to change things that's that's start that's starting to become on you but you, so you're also a byproduct of the environment around you right so to your point if you realized i need better for me for my family and you're ready to put in the work and the mindset, the growth, surround yourself with people who believe in that, you're going to get there faster. If you continuously surround yourself with people who are like, oh, the, the system's working against you, like we're trapped, it's over, you're not going to move anywhere. You're just going to be in this rut. The Absolutely. next thing you know, you're going to blink. It's been 30, 40 years later. You're like, shit, I should have done something. And that's where resentment comes from, right? So it's one of those things that you need to surround yourself with the people that will help you elevate but you, in order to elevate, you need to have that mindset being like, I need to elevate first. Yep. And you, you only get that by surrounding yourself with people or having this magic like awareness moment. So you need one of those two. But either way, you will need that second group of people that help you grow instead of bringing you down.
100%. Right there. There you go. Exactly what you said. And now, now to those people who think that their go- uh, government's going to come to save you, <laughs> let me tell you, no. nobody's coming to save you. There's no save yourself. <laughs> it's, it's the truth. I wish we could cheers to this right now, man. Like, oh, my goodness. I, I learned from my, my, my father taught me this lesson early. He goes, Anish, doesn't matter what your color of your skin is, all that fun stuff the government loves to like divide us on and all those things. You need to control your own your own destiny and fate. Yeah, there's some luck involved here and there, but if you're not showing up to things, if you're not upskilling your things, if you're not doing things to get better than let's call it the inflation level of experience, you're gonna be stuck always. So you have to continuously invest in yourself to keep growing and developing. So you're 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 getting that leaps and bounds of experience relative to your peer group so that you're winning. That's just the way it works. But no one's going to hand you that that win. You got to no. go get it, right? I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. Now, it's a key thing here, right? In terms of um, in terms of luck, right? I don't believe. Mm. I don't believe in luck at all. Mm. And not in the way that I don't think that luck happens, but I believe we create our luck. 100%. Right? And I don't mean that we're like, hmm, I want to be lucky. Today. <laughs> well, if it shows up. I, mean, <laughs> I wish it was that easy, man. No, but a lot of times if you do the right things yeah. consistently every single day, yeah. then you're, in a sense, building up to that success. You're building up to that fortunate turnout. Yeah. Right? Not every turnout is uh, is a good one. Lots of people have failures. You can't be afraid of it. Learn from it. Learn from it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like You've never had any real success if you've never failed. Yeah, you succeed or learn. Right. You succeed or learn. And if you have that mindset, it becomes a probability game versus luck. It becomes if I'm doing the right activity, like posting on my posting content on LinkedIn every day, posting content on Instagram every day, some conversation happens. And that's how I ended up here with you. Like some I did something in LinkedIn on a frequent enough basis that one of your colleagues or friends was like, oh, I know this guy. Talk to him. And that led us to this conversation. And who knows? Somebody might watch this podcast and might lead to something else. It does become a probability game. You just got to make sure you're doing the right activity. Yeah, that's absolutely. the key. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and exactly. Doing the right, t- right activity consistently leads to results. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I mean, I bet you notice some people seem to get all the luck. <laughs> and it's no accident. Yeah, but we don't, we don't know what's happening behind the scenes, right? right? And that's the thing. Like somebody did something really, you don't see the grueling hard work. Like that's... That's one of the downfalls of like the, the, the negatives of social media. People tend to just share, look at my nice car, look, I'm traveling first class, whatever, all the fun things. People don't see like this person was up at three o'clock in the morning three days ago on a call with somebody in Saudi Arabia for X, Y, true story with me. Like I'm doing stuff that people don't see behind the scenes. Yeah, absolutely. In order for me to get to those, you know, lucky moments, right? Like there's so much work that happens behind the scenes that it's impossible to capture but it does happen for most of the people you see that are successful or doing well. 100%. Now, even uh, look in terms of consistency and stuff, right? Now, I, my, my podcast has been around, I would say, for about three and a half, four years now. Okay. And uh, I've recorded well over 200 uh, episodes. Congrats. And thank you. Uh, but I have had people say, hey, how do you find guests? Do you know that there's only been uh, 10% of the people out there, I would say, in the last nine months that I've reached out to? I've got consistent people reaching out to me to uh, trying to get onto the show. 
Wow. Right? But that took three and a half, four years of consistent output to get that. I mean, while we're sitting here, I had a booking. There I don't know go. when it is because I'm not going to stop the show to look, <laughs> no, but I mean, it's my, there, but, it, but it buzzed and I can tell from just because it popped up on my watch. Right. 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 I got a new booking. I don't know, even know who it is. Right. But where did that come from? Yeah. Consistency. Yeah. And some would say, oh, he got lucky. No, no. You've been putting in work. You take the edits, you do the recordings, you do all this stuff. You prep with your, you know, for the, the listeners. You, I'm sure you stay in touch with your audiences. So like that all takes work behind the scenes. But that's the consistent activity we're talking about that gets you to that level, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. Yeah. But hey, it's a work in progress. Every day is a work in progress. Every day. And you know what? And every time you feel that things are hard, just go for it one more day. Yeah. I always tell yourself, one more day, one more try, yeah. one more episode, one more output, one more guest, one more. And then it just keeps later. going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It just keeps going. And that's where real growth comes from. I, I love the theme here. Like, I... I I talk to a lot of like new students, new immigrants, even my own my own friends who are like Anish, how do I escape, you know, this nine to five ridiculous thing or whatever it is? And I always tell them there's a real growth comes from getting out of your comfort zone or dealing with some sort of adversity. Both of those things. If you're able to get over adversity in a productive way, you're gonna be successful. If you're if you're able to get out of your comfort zone and try new things, you gain new perspectives. New perspectives define new realities for you like you that's just the way it works so if you're not putting if you're just doing the same thing over and over again your same routine over and over again there's no growth you're too comfortable yep and what i tell everyone in their 20s their 30s if you are like this this is why i left pinterest after a year i hit quota three quarters in a row i was already one of the top reps and i was there for a year i was hoping to go into an environment where i was going to like get some sort of discomfort, learn from some people and get that growth. But I was already one of the best reps. And that's why I was like, I can't already go in autopilot mode because that's I'm not I'm not there yet. I don't want to be in autopilot mode just yet. I want to go learn, grow, 100%. get right. And that that's that's why I'm like, that's why I started Wishly. I'm like, I can get out of my comfort zone and grow. And that story seems to resonate with a lot of people. And that's the piece that I'm hoping people even on this episode are like inspired by to be like, I got to get out of my comfort zone. What can I do to make that happen? Ironically, I did a, um, I have what I call minute Mondays, right? So okay. it's uh, cause I'm very into the personal development things. Yeah. So I'm on Mondays. I give out like a, a like a, a, something that's about a minute or two minute at most. That's just tips and advice or some form of personal development or suggestions or quotes. Uh, and I do it every Monday. And ironically where I'm going with this is yeah. this week, my uh, topic for Minute Mondays was exactly what we're talking about now. Oh, really? And, and I really, yeah, I, you can take a look after it. It's like, it's basically comfort impedes success. Huge. I couldn't agree with you more. I feel like you and I will be very good friends after this po- podcast because, like, we, we seem to get, uh, align a lot of these values. But yeah, comfort definitely impedes success. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and again, so there you go. And then part of sales goes what you're saying is building relationships, yeah. right? And, and let's be honest podcasts are a way to get out there and a way to get your name known, a way to build your reputation. It's more important than just posting random crap on the internet. I agree. Um, you build relationships through that, through the podcast. Yeah. You get to know people. Yeah. And it becomes that intimate thing where you're talking about, you know, truth and reality. And it's not, you know what I mean? Like, every, you know, too many people think it's got to be an interview. I'm like, you know, what age did you, <laughs> you know, like, and it doesn't have to be that. No, 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 no. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. So awesome. So, Everybody in a new business has challenges. Yeah. 
and unexpected challenges. Like, I mean, there's some that are expected because you expect to have them. Yeah. There's certain things sometimes we have a belief in like, ah, I got that covered until you don't. My question is going to be to you. What was your first biggest challenge that kind of came to you by surprise? Yeah, I thought, so I'm a very social guy. I've got a great social circle. And one of the things I loved about Pinterest and Weather Network, all these places I worked, I, I worked with amazing people, amazing people. But when you go start your own thing, it does get kind of lonely at the top. Like, you know, when you're doing your own thing, solopreneur, entrepreneur type thing, there is a loneliness factor, which I I thought I knew was going to be there. Like, obviously, I'm not working with these people anymore. I'll be working alone. But did I didn't expect it to the degree that it would hit me being like, well, I'm spending most of my working day. I'm spending work most of my working day just solo. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I know I'm meeting with clients and all that, but that's different. Like the team, the team camaraderie piece that these, some of these companies have is phenomenal. Totally underrated. So that one caught me off guard. Just running solo for for more than I thought. Like I didn't realize it was gonna hit me as much as it did, but I overcame it. And you know, I'm like, hey, you know what? Then I started seeing the paychecks. I was like, okay, maybe it's not so bad. But <laughs> but uh, I was able. To, the way I overcame that, I started I started building in more like time autonomy for like hanging out with friends and sharing my wins with you know family things like that. That allowed me to sort of overcome that a bit. But that one did get get me off guard. For sure. I, I can understand that one, right? Yeah. Like it's they say entrepreneurship is the loneliest uh, place to be. Hundred percent. Right? I mean, the only people that are not lonely doing entrepreneurship are the ones that are not successful because they're too busy hanging out. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I guess I'm doing something right because I'm like spending a lot of time solo, just you know, trying to build, trying to connect, trying to make the next move happen. Um, I've actually gotten very close with other founders and entrepreneurs because we share in that. We're like can I just talk to somebody about my win or can I just talk to somebody about something that maybe did not go so well? Yeah. You know, like those are the types of things. That, and as much as I love my, my wife, my partner and all that, like she doesn't understand some of the stuff, you know, for like from the business standpoint that I'm working on. So sometimes it's nice to connect with folks in my, in my peer group who are going through the same thing. And I, I have been able to build a network of that. So that's been helpful. Absolutely. And that is a support group in a sense for a lack of better description is yeah. definitely very important in this. And you brought up uh, like some points there, right? Like the win, right? Like you, you sometimes you need to talk to somebody even about not just the, the losses, but sometimes you yeah, want to talk about yeah. the wins. Like things are good too. You yeah. got to yeah. celebrate yeah. it, right? Exactly. Now, one thing I've learned is that everyone wants that massive win, right? And that massive win can be, okay, when I get a seven-figure business or an eight-figure business. But I find the reason a lot of people give up is because they're waiting for that seven-figure and what ends up happening is that thing takes a long time. Right. Or it's a very, you know, high climb. And what ends up happening is that uh, they feel defeated and want to give up. But I think the difference between getting there and not getting there is by remembering to win, uh, to celebrate the small wins. Yeah. Yeah. And it ties back to what we talked about before on preparation, right? So if you're doing this right, if you're doing this right, you have that big, let's call it seven figure goal you just made, you just told yeah, me. Yeah. Right? But if you do the right prep, it means that you need, you now know in order to hit seven figures, you need to do X, Y, Z. You've set up your milestones ahead of time right? So you know your micro milestones in order to get to the big milestone. That's how you know that you're able to celebrate the micro milestones because now you know you're one step closer to the seven-figure thing. A lot of entrepreneurs and side hustlers and all these people I talk to, they're like, Anish, I just want to make a million dollars. I'm like, okay, but how are you going to go do that? Well, you know, you can tell they haven't thought through their steps or what those micro milestones are. So that's why they're just aimlessly waiting for this big Again, they want it to come to them 
It's like you haven't given enough intentional thought. What are those micro steps that you need to do at each stage to get to that big, you know, big seven figure goal, whatever it is. That's the key. So once you have your micro milestones down, you can, that's what, you know, you celebrate. It's like, I, I did that micro goal. Now I'm one step closer to this. I did my next micro goal. Now, you know, one step closer to that. That's the key. But a lot of people don't write down all those micro steps. And you, for everybody watching or listening, he just said one key component here, intentional. And if you want to do something, you have to be intentional. If things don't happen by accident. And by celebrating those wins, you're being intentional. You're getting to the next level by what you do intentionally. You don't just show up and say, hmm, what should I do today? Yeah. It all comes in by being intentional. I love that word yeah. because it is so true. And I have an exercise for those on the a very easy thing to do to, 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 to show you the awareness of intentionality. It's called the red car, the red car exercise. Have you heard of this? Oh, I think so. I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the red car exercise, folks, very simple. If you were to ask, like, for on, your, on your most recent commute from anywhere, how many red cars did you see? The answer is, I don't know. I wasn't looking, right? But if I told you, moving forward on your next commute, I will give you $100 for every red car that you see. You just need to write down the make and model. I'll give you $100 for every red car that you see. I guarantee you you will be looking out for every red car that you see on your next commute. And what I'm trying to get at here is that opportunities are in front of you all the time. But because you're just driving with your blinders on and we're not seeking that intentionality of like, what's the, what can I do next? What can, what can I build towards? You're never going to get there. So that's why Everybody has, everybody has one of those big aspirations. Like I want to do something big. I want big money. I want to travel, whatever, whatever it is. But if you're not laying out the micro steps, those mini red car exercises for each one of those things, you're just going to let the, you know, life drive past, drive past by you. Like that's what happens. Yeah. 100%. Now you brought up another point here, yeah. right? Everyone has aspirations and dreams and goals, right? Now, anyone watching, if your whole desire to start a business is to make so much money and that's your only goal and your only objective, you want to make money and you want to do everything for money, keep your day job. That's the best way to do it. You're going to get your money. Because entrepreneurship is hard and it's not always successful. Yeah, if you do things for the wrong reason, like you said, people sniff out the fakes. People yeah. sniff, out, sniff out what I call the frauds. And what eventually is that you could make money doing it, but eventually you get sniffed out and you get exposed for being the fraud that you are. And then you're always constantly searching for something because you never get what you really want. You never get what I call fulfillment. Yes. And if you don't get fulfillment, everything feels like a waste. Everything feels like a hassle and everything seems hard and you want to give up all the time. And then it's not what you expect. And ask those millionaires who are filthy rich <laughs> and miserable as hell. Why? Because it was all about the money. They have no aspiration, no form of fulfillment because they didn't really get what they desired. All they got was financial yeah right so yeah if fulfillment comes in with everything and it's gotta be all about goals and aspirations that are not just solely financial i mean let's be clear i'm not saying finances are uh, not important i'm not saying money's bad or evil or nothing like that i'm just saying that it can't be your only objective yeah, the sole objective of money, I mean, it's uh, it's underrated. I'll tell you that. Like, like I know uh, I've been very fortunate to join so many masterminds and so many, like, really ultra-successful people. I'm in with groups like with Patrick Bet David. He's, like, you know, crushing it in life. 
And if you're not a person of values, of community, of, of trying, to, trying to help those around you, some sort of social impact, it could even be something selfish. Like, I want to spend more time. I want time freedom. Like, when you tie money to, as your sole operating goal, you will not get that fulfillment because there's always a bigger check. Unless you become Jeff Bezos or like I now the richest person alive, great, but you're actually not chasing money, you're chasing status in that regard. So one of the things you just need to know about is like, what is it that fulfills you? And that's something that a lot of people I know struggle with. So a good book for that, that really helped open up uh, people's eyes that I know and myself is uh, Start, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. It just points you in the right direction for all those moving targets in your head. What is the direction that actually gives you fulfillment? It's like a very strong pattern recognition exercise all the way from meaningful experiences in your childhood to right now. The book shows you how to go and do that, but definitely, definitely do a, it's like a, definitely a healthy exercise to do to figure out what fulfills you. And I guarantee you, it's not always going to, money's going to be a part of it, but it's not the sole reason that you need to go do your own thing. Thousand percent. Yeah. Now, in terms of aspiration, I'm going to dig into yours. Yeah. I mean, we all know, or we've heard what you've done up till now, right. you must have a five-year goal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I. It's, it's evolving constantly because I'm learning so much. Like I'm putting myself in scenarios where I'm in these masterminds. I'm like, is my, my original goal was like, was retire my parents, right? Like that's what it started at because they've done so much for me. Now I have a wife and a partner and I'm like, I want to spend as much time with her. And then with the, with the time freedom that we were working towards, I got to travel for durations and, and, and things that you never get when you get three weeks vacation for working for somebody else. So now next thing you know, I'm in Amsterdam and London and all these things the last uh, about six, seven months ago. And I'm like, shit, now I want to do more of this. I want to like the experiences and social connection I make with human beings. My favorite thing is meeting someone from a different background and realizing that we all bleed red, you know, like yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they love to, to eat, drink, cry, laugh, all that like we do but we're different parts of the world. That that human connectivity, I love it. Like it just gets me going. So getting more reps and scenarios for that, that's fulfilling to me and my wife, right? Like, so <clears throat> it does take money to do all those things, which we talked about just now, but I'm now chasing something a lot deeper than the dollars and cents, right? So for me, my aspiration is to be able to get more time freedom, yeah, yeah. to go travel, get some of those experiences because... A lot of people wait till they're like in their 60s to retire. And now like my, my parents are going through this right now. They're about to retire, but they're dealing with so many illnesses and whatever. They can't even travel to all those dreams they've had for 20, 30 years. Like we're going to go see Italy. We're going to go do this. They, they can't even do it. They can't even do it. So it's like, I don't want to get in that scenario. So one of my bigger aspirations is having the freedom and autonomy to go do what we want when we want. And that's, that's really important to my wife and I. Love that. Love that. Now, you brought up some uh, points here, right, that I was thinking about. Like, we weren't born knowing that, that we like this stuff, right? Now, right. There's a lot of people watching going, hey, you're right. I want to do everything I like. And then they're going to step back and going, what do I like? What do I like? Right? Yeah. Like, how, how did you discover this? Like, Because growing up, let, let's be honest, from, I would say from zero to about age 15, mm-hmm. We got ideals that we've been fed by our parents or yeah. people around us. Right. We don't really think much of it, but we don't really start doing our own self-discovery till we get into our teenage years. And, and then we start looking around going, hey, I've been doing this, but is this what I really want to do? Yeah. Right. And then you start discovering yourself. And a lot of people, some people get it right away and other people 
go throughout their whole life and never figure it out. And then some people, and then the rest of us are somewhere in between. So at what point in time did you start registering on, hey, you know, this makes me happy. This is what I want. And, you know, sort of find that path. Yeah. So I got addicted. Like I've, I've done some really big self-reflection on this. This is the first time I've ever talked about this, like on a podcast setting. So I'm so glad you're bringing it up. We all, we all have our own perspectives based off of uh, the way we were raised and who we were raised with, right? Like that's zero to 15. Yeah, yeah. That's what we've been told and fed. That's reality. Because when you're born and you're like a white canvas and then everyone paints on it, and that's your reality, right? In order for you to gain new experiences, just and the way I love to connect it with, uh, for, I just did this with a friend of mine. I was like, hey, so and so, what's the favorite? What's the best meal you've ever you've ever eaten, or what's the best song you've ever heard? And they they told me their favorite meal, and I was like, before you had that meal, you had another favorite meal, you had another favorite whatever experience. And it got to a point where they're like, you can only get new experiences by trying new things. So in the modern day, we're actually shying away. This is what I'm really afraid of from a cultural standpoint. We're shying away from doing this, meeting new people and talking to them, asking questions, asking about, you know, just figuring out where people coming from, from different walks of life. Now I've never shied away from this. You can ask anyone in my social circle. I'm like one of the most social people. So to answer your question, I wanted to give that context up front. I'm able to learn that I love new things by having the courage to go into uncomfortable environments. And uncomfortable environments for me is meeting a set of people I've never met before, trying a new restaurant that I've never tried before, checking out, you know, a, a brand new musical genre that I never would have thought would something, you know, something I'd, I'd, I'd vibe with. But you need people don't even like to try anymore. People just yeah. like to stay comfortable. And I'm saying these are like easy things to do. Like I'm not saying quit your job. That's a that's a big thing. But listening to a different type of music, making it an intentional effort. Like I'm going to go to one new restaurant every month that I've never gone before. That's how you create perspectives and new realities for yourself. You're absolutely right there. Way, way, way too many times. Like how, you know, people go out there and they go to the same damn restaurant. Yeah. Oh, I like the experience. Great. Yeah. That means they did a good job in terms of sales and service. Yeah. But reality is, what are you gaining from that? Yeah. We're creatures of habit, right? We are. Yeah. Just the way we're wired biologically. We, we, we are creatures of habit, but it's so easy. Like, again, it's that intentional thing. Like, I must try one new experience once a month. For whatever you like, it could be art, it could be music, it could be whatever your love language is, do it. But trying something new is what gives you the courage to keep trying new things. So I realized, so I realized that this is how I got addicted to this. Like I keep getting these better experiences because I have the courage to try something new. So now I won't stop trying new things. And what that's done, the byproduct of that as me as a human, as a salesperson to tie it all together, I'm now that much more comfortable meeting people from all walks of life, meeting and connecting with people from all walks of life, because I've, I've, I've tried experiences that they can also, that they've also tried and resonated with. So it just gives you that much more like global view to connect with people on, to build those relationships that we talked about. And when you have those experiences to draw on, that is what gets you from salesperson to person that I can't, you know, I can't make a business decision decision without. Right. You become that that invaluable person to somebody. Absolutely. I agree with you on that. I found with society, I think in a way, 
it's sad to say, but I find a lot of people like going to what you're saying here and and a lot of things that we don't have is I find that a lot of people become soft. So soft. Right? Like it's like, it's almost like they constantly need someone to chase them with a new diaper. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's, we, we've, we've embraced coddle culture and what I, you know, and, and, and there's this, this, this topic is extremely, it's polarizing across the board, depending on. There's so many topics we can go into, which which we're you know yeah, pro- probably exactly. not going to, but they 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 they're, they're there, they're there, right? And it gets to a stage where people have lost their own sense of identity. People have lost their own sense of empathy. Like em- real empathy is like the desire and courage to like really appreciate or understand the person across the table. Yes, exactly. and we have this big freaking fear. Of doing that. So what do we do? We we start Googling things. We start seeing our TikTok and Instagram videos. And now those sources define our reality on others, other, other people. Instead of having a real dialogue with somebody and getting, that's the best way to do it. Yep. Okay. We don't do that anymore. You're right. And now it's gone to a stage where I'm just going to stay in my protective cage. I learn what I want to learn. And God forbid somebody tries to rattle that cage to give you a new experience, a new idea. Nope. And now we're just solidifying bad behavior. It's just, I'm just going to do things on my terms and, you know, I'm not going to shake for anybody. N- nothing. I know. You're, uh, it's you're the worst. Right. It's the worst. You're right. Absolutely. Now, I, I find a lot of this odd behavior. Like, prime example, I'm going to tell you a true story of what I saw. I went to a place called Artisanos. I mean, they're no longer around. So it was a few years back. Yeah. And I remember I walked, uh, I was sitting down with a friend of mine and we were talking, having coffee. I looked over and there was this guy and girl there and I didn't know who they were. Um, they might have been like 17, 18, yeah. you know, all that. And they're sitting together, sitting across from each other. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, they're talking on the phone. I'm like, really? You go out to hang out and talk on the phone? <laughs> but then I, I noticed something. The girl would uh, look uh, at the food, type something in. The guy would pick up the phone, read it, pick up the pizza, put it on her plate, pick up his phone and text back. No. And I'm going, is that how they're interacting? Then I realized they're on a date. They were texting each other live? Yes. Because at first I thought they were talking to somebody else and I realized they're talking <laughs> to each other. Right? Now, the part I don't know. That's a stretch. Yeah. Like for me, I thought this is madness. You Like you're sitting in front of a person and you can't speak. Now... I mentioned that to my sister. Now she thought, what if one of them was deaf and they're trying to communicate? That is a possibility. Fair point. So I thought. Fair point. But on the end, when the waitress came to say, you know, is it one bill or two bill? They both spoke to her. Okay. And that's what made me go, whoa. You know what I mean? Like, that, 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 like There's something else weird. going on here. Yeah. You know, yeah. This is like really weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, I don't know, just mind boggling. And where I'm going with this is that, you know, when you want to play on your phone, stay the frig home. Yeah. Right? Or like, if you're going to meet with somebody, put your fucking phones down. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't agree more. I maybe, maybe it's the old school guy in me or something like that, but like, there is nothing better than picking up the phone and talking to somebody that you haven't talked to in a while instead of texting them. There's nothing better for me. You know, it's a hot take for the, the Gen Zers or whatever, but um, doing something like this. Because even you and I had the option of doing this virtually. Correct. And while we both were like, no. Like, this is way better to do it. I know we're all the way in Toronto, so I appreciate you making the drive. But, like, that that piece right there, the social dynamics, the way our way, our brains are wired, it's a different type of, it's a different type of uh, pleasure altogether. Right, but right. But the way these newer brains or younger brains are going to get rewired is it's going to be very text-friendly. 
they're not going to be like, they're, they're so afraid of conversation and dialogue. And even in the sales coaching work I do, when I see someone who's like relatively younger with, with odd exceptions, when I, when they have to go make a presentation, even game over, they're like, can I just, can I just not, I have more younger folks opting out of practice exercises than actually than anyone else. There you go. They're opting out of practice exercising. No, I'm not comfortable doing this. Sorry, but I'm just no. I'm not going to get up in a room, room of five people and give a presentation on something is you know not even work related stuff, movies, cupcakes, whatever you pick. They won't even do that. It's scary. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And and you know what? You cannot excel at anything with that kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. So I, it's madness to me. This whole thing is madness. <laughs> yeah, no. And you're going, and going back to what you say with the whole podcast in person, right? You're absolutely right. And it's not just the fact that, you know, because like when you're virtual, you're seeing each other on camera, but there's a lot of things you don't see, which is the movements. Yeah. And the, it's the nonverbal communication that sets the tone. And you don't see that on a, on a virtual screen because what ends up happening is, let's put it, be honest, we're, we're on camera, uh, you know, doing things virtually on camera. We're going to zoom in so people don't see everything and we're going to yeah. be like, it's going to be really focused and tuned. But you're missing the connection by doing that. There is something missing there, right? And, and I'm sure there's a science to it and a biological reason of being in person, even versus virtual. But there's something about being in person where the natural collaboration comes out in a different way. And I'm hoping that's something that we can salvage with the, with the next generation. I, I really do. I agree with you. And I would do every podcast in person if I was able to. Yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually make an attempt to almost avoid the virtual ones when I can. And you have like three locations. So yeah, you're, I hope, I hope it works out. Yeah, yeah me too. Because, uh, and you know what, I've gone to other people's offices or yeah. whatever. It's like, it's a matter of just doing it. Right. And my, my biggest thing is going to be, I have a lot of American people that I, that I get on the show. Right. Hard to do that. Time for a road tour. <laughs> yeah, I would do it. I would do it. That'd be fun. That'd yeah, be fun. absolutely. That's actually one of my plans. I want to do what I call, as I build up my audience, I want to do what's called a podcast tour. Oh, that'd be so cool. Yeah, yeah I love exactly. That. Yeah. So I'm excited. A lot of good things coming ahead. All right. So what I want to do now is that I want to get into a couple of more questions before I go into what I call the lightning round. Okay. So one of the questions I have is, how do you know you've had a successful day? Yeah. So every night... Before, before I go to bed, I write out my tasks for the next day on my whiteboard. Like the big, big, it could be five things, could be, tw- I've had 15 day things. Like it just tells you how busy you're gonna be. I write those things out. And if I have crossed off at least 80%, 90% of that whiteboard that day, like the following day, that to me is like, okay, I made movement. I made, I, I wasn't just chilling playing video games or whatever, right? That's very easy to fall into as a solopreneur. It's like, I have time, <laughs> so I'm not going to do this. I'm going to, you know, check out this. I'm going to watch sports, whatever. Um, so I make sure every night I've, that whiteboard's fresh. Like I, I know what's happening the next day. And that's how I know I've made movement every day. Because again, those micro milestones, I'm putting in the tasks necessary to hit those micro milestones, right? So that's never, you know, that's always like w- once a week, I'll be looking at those goals because uh, I have a tracker for it. So those tasks on the whiteboard are like, I got to do these 10 things. That's how I know I've had a successful day. Amazing answer. Now, what would you say to an aspiring entrepreneur who's maybe working at a job, not sure if they quit, should quit, start something on the side, or you know, gung-ho, jump a boat, or just 
put their dreams to rest. Yeah. Um, and, they're, and they're scared. Like most people who haven't done it are scared. What would your advice be to those? Yeah. First of all, if you're feeling scared, good. It means you're human and you're, you're, you're doing, you're taking it seriously. Those that just jump in saying, oh, everything's going to be fine. They have not thought it through. <laughs> so here's two things that you can do to really help you out. So this was something I did. The first thing is what I call a time audit. A time audit is where you take a look at your daily activities for two to three week period and you write, you, you track everything, like how long you went to the bathroom, how long you slept, how long you went, you watch Netflix every day, all those things, discretionary, social, whatever. Then you group those activities into buckets. So you've got social, personal, work, family, whatever your day-to-day -day stuff are. I did my first time audit and I realized I was putting so much time into things like Netflix, video games, checking my fantasy sports. Like these are like personal discretion, discretionary things. I'm like, holy shit, like this is a lot of time. And next thing you realize is this whole, I don't have time to do my side hustle entrepreneur journey. Let's give it a real chance. You carve out three hours out of the, that, that discretionary personal time. You've got, what is that? 15 hours, 15 to 20 hours a week right away. If it's three hours a day. But you have to be intentional. That's what so you create. That's how you create that intentionality. The second half of the equation is okay. Now let's say you have the time to do your dream side hustle thing. I would at least save up six to nine months of living expenses. So you will ha always have that. I call it like the turning point where you're like, I got to take the plunge and go and do my thing. So you need to have at least nine months of of uh, savings for whatever your your monthly costs are to live in the bank. And now you've given yourself a nine month window to get your, to get that going. Now, if you hit month four or five and you're like, nothing's happened. Okay. You need to start thinking about maybe getting another job, but um, I'd say at least nine to 10 months of savings. So you have that like saving great cushion in the back saying, okay, I had that. I had the time before I invested in it. Now, Things seem to be growing well. I need at least nine to 10 months of savings so I can make the right decisions instead of like decision with a gun to your head. All right. Well said. All right. So what, um, for people watching or looking and want to reach out to you, whether they want to find out more about your programs or whether they just want to remain connected to you, where would they go? Yeah. Two places for me. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Anish underscore L. I actually post daily content, sales tips, marketing tips, community tips. And I do the same thing on LinkedIn as well. Uh, you can just find me on LinkedIn, Anish Lal, uh, Wishly Group. You, you put that into the you put that into the search bar. You'll find me. So um, those two places are the best way to stay connected with me for sure. Fantastic. Let's get into the lightning round. Let's just a few it. questions that just about fun and all that. I love it. Let's do it. Awesome. Question number one: Favorite food and why? Oh damn. Okay. So anytime I have those micro milestone wins, I go to this place called Shanghai House in Mississauga. Yeah, yeah. Huge shout out to Shanghai House. Go there. I've been eating there since like the tenth grade. Get the extra braised chicken with fried rice and thank me later. Yeah. Okay, I'm tempted to you do have that to, now. We should go do it after this. I, I love that. that Deal. Let's go. <laughs> awesome. Second question. Favorite travel destination and why? So far, the best travel destination for me was when my wife and I went to Greece just like last year. Um, Santorini uh, was was beautiful. The people were friendly. We didn't deal with any sort of prejudice or like sometimes that happens when we travel. Santorini, by far the food, the vibe, the weather, the people, 
Wine's cheaper than water. What else do you need, right? Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Favorite podcast and or book? Favorite pod. So I'm a big fan. I'm a little biased, but Kevin Dorsey's podcast, the Live Better, Sell Better podcast, that's been huge for me. And favorite book, um, Methods of Persuasion by Nick Kalenda. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Favorite sports team? Oh, uh, Toronto Raptors. There we go. Easy. You heard it there, guys. Easy. That, they're, the, they're, they're, they're amazing. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Depends year by year, right? Year by year. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Last but not least, if you were given unlimited amount of money, but only 48 hours to spend it, what you spend, you get to keep. What you uh, don't spend gets taken away. What would you do? I would pay off all my parents' mortgage debts, just retire them, and then buy buy whatever vacation stuff for them. Um, I would, 48 hours, right? Yes. Ooh, so that's like the first thing I would do. I would just clear up family debt and mortgages and just make sure, and then buy like luxury homes and stuff like that in 48 hours for, for all my family. Fantastic. Yeah. Great answer. Awesome. Awesome. It has been amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed it. Absolute pleasure. Appreciate it. If you like what you saw and you want to see some more, subscribe to the link below. Thanks for tuning in to the John Papaloni Show.